four chapters, two episodes, one day. This is going to be interesting. Um, we're in the section now of a little bit of Christology, a little bit of ecclesiology. Um, and those two things go hand in hand together. But those Christology and ecclesiology on, on Ryle level, you know, this is not something you're going to find in uh, Willemus Abrockel or some sort of systematic theology like that. More of um, uh, stuff to immediately affect Christian living, which the Dutch Reformed love theology that affected Christian living. So I'm not taking away from Abrockel or Bavink or, you know, Petrus van Maastricht particularly. Um, but he's kind of talking, Raoul, not to ramble on what he's doing. We've talked a lot about it. He's kind of talking about, like, starting with real life, starting with reality, um, starting with the Christian in reality. So we don't have a picture of the Christian in the library, but the Christian at work, the Christian in the public sphere immediately, and that's where we start. So whereas maybe the systematic theologies are going to start in the library, uh, they're kind of implicitly expecting you to have notebooks out doing research and stuff, whereas Ryle doesn't expect you to have a notebook out, doesn't expect you to do research. It's just immediately, boom, like, do you love the Lord? Do you go to church? Are you a faithful Christian? That sort of stuff. Um, So, I mean, we're looking at about 45 minutes an episode for these next two episodes, probably about 22 and a half minutes per chapter for those. Let's get in. Let's get it. I like the way, that was a good way of describing it. Um, I keep saying blue collar theologian, right? This blue collar doctrine right here. Yeah, I'm I'm all about it. <clears throat> Chapter thirteen, the church which Christ built. That's that's the churches of Christ, man. They're the only ones. Church which Christ built. Um, he starts out at, with Matthew 16, the great confession of Peter. We don't have to hammer the point very much of what our Lord meant when he said, and upon this rock I build my church. Of course, not upon the rock of Peter himself, but on the doctrine of Peter. Not upon a particular apostle to be ahead of the church. But Real, real quick, not, the, not Peter's doctrine in the sense that it's Peter's, but it's the doctrine that Peter received from Christ. Yes. Um, Ephesians chapter 2. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself in the cornerstone. Um, Not to belabor that point. Been belabored a lot on other Reformed podcasts and in books. Just about every Reformed book, especially if Reformed ecclesiology is going to Dive in to that of what that means. Um, But the church that Christ built, this is the church, this is that church to which all visible churches on earth are servants and handmaidens. What he means by that is all, all local churches are handmaidens to the great uh, one holy Catholic Apostolic Church. There is one church. Now, there are 175 churches in Conway, roughly. Did you look this up, Reza? Did you look it up for this? Or are no, you just guessing? No, I, you told me that a while back and kind of adding to it. Well, that, I wasn't asking. Yeah, I was just asking because uh, I haven't looked it up in a while. I want to know what maybe uh, I was hoping you looked it up so you had a fresh number. Yeah, yeah. We had a fact checker. We could do that. Um, whether they are Episcopalian, Independent, or Presbyterian, they all serve the interests of the one true church. They are the scaffolding behind which the great building is carried on. Um, they are the husk, they are this, they are that. The best and worthy of them is that which trains up most members for Christ's true church. Um, he goes on, he says in the next few paragraphs i trust the things i have just been saying will sink down into the minds of all who read this paper see that you hold sound doctrine upon the subject of quote the church 
A mistake here may lead on to dangerous and soul-ruining errors. The church which is made up of true believers is the church for which we, who are ministers, are specially ordained to preach. And this is where I started highlighting. Yep. The church which comprises all who repent and believe the gospel is the church to which we desire you to belong. Our work is not done, and our hearts are not satisfied until you are made a new creature and are a member of the one true church. Outside of the church, which is, quote, built on the rock, there can be no salvation. Amen. Man. And this is where... Amen, Brother Ben, right there. This punches the modern-day Baptist... Um, attitude towards the church in the face. Well, uh, Baptistical, yeah, non-denominational, yeah, yeah, yeah. this, yeah, this uh, non-denominational, which is if you see that Scooby Doo meme. So who are you, anyways? Where the um, uh, the cast of Scooby Doo is taking the mask off the bad oh, guy. Yeah. The first part is non-denominational, and then they turn the take the mask off of him and it's Baptist. Oh, when it's the, the yeah. yeah, I've seen. So who are you? I've seen that anyways. meme. I know yeah. what you're talking about now. Um, that's what we're talking about. The the whole idea, and and this is what it confronts. This is the idea that it disseminates and deconstructs. Oh, I'm saved. You know, you don't have to go to church necessarily. We are the church. Um, I can have church in the woods. I can have church at the ball fields. Um. You know, it's not the church that saves yeah. you. That sort of stuff. Uh, right. Or, uh, well, I get together with other Christians. Or, right. you know, um, kind of very informal, organic fellowship at your house or dinner or cookout or coffee shop. Or uh, some guys give this excuse. Of, I'm still good. No, I was oh. just putting it in there. Oh. Some guys give this excuse of, uh, oh, well, you can worship God on the golf course or in the hunting stand and these sorts of things. Like, yeah, I'm not saying that you can't glorify God in all those arenas and all those areas and that you shouldn't have Christian fellowship outside of uh, a worshiping congregation. But Ryle's point is exactly right. This is where salvation is actually found. Now, that doesn't mean that people can't be saved unless they're at a church service. Um, but uh, the church is a more formal. Uh, uh, the keys that Christ is talking about here, or the church he's building on the rock, is not. It's more formal than what a lot of people want to think. Um, and that is the place where they're the, um, I'm not saying that the church saves, but the church is the keeper of salvation in a lot of ways. It's, it's kind of like um, maybe a good analogy would be you don't have to, uh, ha- uh, you don't have to um, have uh, a bank with a certain, you don't have to bank with a certain bank to have money. Uh, uh, to have money, uh, the bank is not what gives you ability to buy and purchase things. Um, but the bank is where uh, money is found, or the bank is where you put, uh, where where you keep the money, uh, where you protect the money, where you, um, uh, where you hold the money. Um, and so, in in a similar way, uh, that's the way the church, uh, the church functions and operates. This is the biggest thing that I want to talk about on this chapter. I mean, he he uh, he says a lot using the uh, ability and the builder analogy and uh, about the chapter or about um, a Christ statement there, and talks about the many blessings and benefits and necessities of the church. This is the number one thing, though, and it's so important in in this co- compilation and what what this book is on holiness. Uh, is that ch- this chapter in here makes it essential that you can't really pursue holiness on your own. You can't pursue holiness outside of a, a commitment and submission to a, a visible local body of the 
invisible, what might be sometimes called universal church. Um, it's essential. It's not optional. Um, this is why in countries where there are no churches and the gospel takes root, there becomes uh, primitive churches or underground churches. It's not optional even for Christians where, where, this, where this is illegal, where, this, where, where uh, being a church is suppressed. Um, uh, it's absolutely essential. Yeah, and it's essential because of this, because taking the idea that Rao has in this chapter, it's Christ himself who is building the church. Yeah. And the thing Amen. that he is building is is reflected. It's not that it is most reflected or most closely related or very similar to. It is, in essence, reflected in the local church. So the universal church that Christ is building, where... Uh, we are one with the Chinese Christians. We are one with the um, Indian Christians, the people who we will never have local church with. Yeah. That's reflected in the local church, and yeah. so that's what Christ is building. And you, you see that, um, not to make this about biblical theology and, and you know tracing the scriptures, but sticking with the chapter of Rao still. No, make it about, make it about. No, it's about the scriptures, but um, like covering the content of this chapter. Um it's seen in the local church. And so um, you said earlier, it's not that the church saves. It isn't that the church saves, but it is that the church is saved. Yeah. The church yeah. is saved. So are you saved? Then you are a part of the church. Yeah. Well, are you a part of the church? Then you are, are a part of a church. Yeah, if you're, if you're part of the family, uh, you might want to show up to dinner every now and then. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and really how, because of the inescapable truths of ecclesiology, how can you say you are part of the church if you are not a member of a church anywhere and you um, um, haven't been in, yeah. you know, yeah, that's, a decade yeah. and a half? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Great is the wisdom wherewith the Lord Jesus builds his church. Again, you see there he's sticking with, the, his theme that it is Christ yeah. who is building his church. Quick, uh, quick note: This is how we can have uh, um, uh, people often look at the various denominations and say, "Well, look, no, no, uh, none of the Christians can get along. Look at all their various denominations there uh, uh, and whatnot." Uh, <clears throat> this understanding of the church actually actually helps us understand that those denominations aren't necessarily Christians who can't get along, but this is the way that they actually do get along. Uh, it's actually very beneficial and a keeper of unity uh, that you can have Presbyterian and Baptist and Anglican and um, uh, I forget another example that he gives, but that you'd have those various churches um, and yet, because we recognize that uh, uh, any sect of Christianity that's not a cult is going to recognize that it's it's it is not the one true church. Um, this is where, ironically, Catholicism actually has a cult-like view uh, that Catholicism is is the one true one true Christian church, that the Catholic church is the universal church. Um, uh, obviously, I reject that. But Baptists don't say that. There's plenty, there's that the Presbyterian churches are true churches and that they're also part of the universal uh, church of Christ. Um, uh, uh, Anglican churches such as that in which uh, Ryle is ministering in and through uh, I mean, he gives that. You read that description at at the beginning of what um, what what uh, 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 what is a true church. That actually helps us to um, kind of respect and cooperate and have unity with one another, even when we can't cooperate and fellowship on specifics. It's a great and peaceful thing that I'm not having to argue about baptism every time a baby's born in our church. Um, uh, on whether or not they should be baptized. 
if somebody holds that conviction, somebody believes that's what the scripture teaches, they can go join that church. And now we're not having an inner church squabble over, over things like that all the time. Uh, so it allows you to, to worship in a way that uh, you view the scriptures actually teach. Uh, so it's actually a promoter of unity, not an example of all the disunity. Uh, uh, it's, a, uh, it's an example of unity, not disunity. It's an example of peace, not not quarreling. Right, right. Uh, unity and diversity, which I think is ironic. Uh, That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. The reasons you hear someone either starts a non-denominational church or they attend one uh, this isn't uniform among all those who go to a non-denominational church, but I heard it from a coworker one time. He's like, yeah, the church is just so divided. I'm thinking to myself, so you choose to add another denomination. <laughs> you're, you're, uh, and having no doctrine is not the solution, right? Having no doctrine is, yeah. because you're not going to have Presbyterians coming to your church, buddy. Well, you're not going to have, you're not going to have real unity over anything, right? Right, you're not. If if there are people there who have a solid doctrine, like a system of it's, doctrine, it's no longer not non denominational It's no longer non denominational Right. Yeah. It's 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 not, and there's going to be a lot of division in that. Um, and then, secondly, to that, the only description that that denomination of non denominational fits is like the the uh, many times the. Non-staunch Baptist. Now, there are staunch Baptists, there are convictional Baptists, there are doctrinal Baptists who don't fit that mold. But um, anyways, not not to belabor that point. Uh, Here's a quote I have to read. What were you going to say? No, 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 you go ahead. For the good of that church, he's talking about, uh, well, I'm not going to explain it. We've been talking about it. For the good of that church. He's not talking about a particular church. He's talking about any true church. He's talking about any local church that represents the universal church of Christ or partakes in the universal church of Christ. For the good of that church, all the providential dealings of God in this world are ordered and arranged. For the elect's sake, wars are brought to an end and peace is given to a nation. Statesmen, rulers, emperors, kings, presidents, head of governments have their schemes and plans and think them of vast importance. But there is another work going on of infinitely greater uh, moment for which they are only the axes and saws in God's hands. Quoting Isaiah 10.15. That work is the erection of Christ's spiritual temple, the gathering in of living stones, into the one true church. Yeah. If that doesn't fire you up, something's wrong with you. Yeah, Something it is. Something is wrong with you. So every time a new person or a person is converted and brought into the church, that is Christ building his church. Yeah. And, every, and, and the way that he describes that is that everything going on, everything going on in the world God is using for the purposes of his church. That's his main focus. That, that's what he's doing. Um, uh, 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 everything are tools in his hands to carry out redemptive history. Right. Um, man, that put, that, that's so helpful uh, perspective. So helpful perspective to have, um, especially in times like this and in, in times like this in a nation or in, in the world or in a culture uh, where it seems like everything's going to um, uh, um, uh, everything's going just to the garbage bin. Uh, as the saying goes, everything seems like it's going to hell in a handbasket. What's going on? What's going, you know, what, what's going on around us? Well, the Lord's, the Lord's caring about redemptive history. He's building his church. That's what's going on. Yeah, that is. And to your point, go listen to the testimony of one person who is saved. Yeah. And listen to all the providence in their life. Um, and you can see the providence both in like the 
terrible former drug addict, former fel- or felon, that type, versus the guy who never got in trouble, but he was still safe from a sin. You still see the same amount of providence. But like if you see if you hear that former the the former person, just I'm talking in and out of prison, this and that and the other, how the Lord preserved them and all those things, the world and their life going to hell in a handbasket. Mm-hmm. Yet the point still stood. Christ is building his church, using them as a small little block to build that. Um, The few minutes we have on this, and we can go as long as you want. Don't don't let me, you know, dictate the pace or anything like this. But at the very last of the chapter, he gives three points of exhortation. I won't get into all those, but to give just a little bit of a summary. Number one, because of all these things that we've spoken about at the church, strive to live a holy life. Walk worthy of the church to which you belong. Yeah. That's all point number one. Yeah. So, and that could go a long ways. That's a long conversation. Uh, that brings us back to Pilgrim's Progress and talkative and the hypocrites and all that sort of stuff. But if you claim to be a Christian, walk worthy of the church. Walk as a man who has been used as a building block for God's holy temple of his people. Do that. Uh, number two. Strive to live a courageous life. That is, confess Christ before men. Whatever whatever station you occupy, in that station, confess Christ. Mm. Number three, strive to live a joyful life. Live like men who look for that blessed hope, the second coming of Christ. This is the prospect to which we should all look forward it is not so much the thought of going to heaven as of heaven coming to us. Mm. Amen. That should fill our minds. Um, Amen, yeah. And then his, the last paragraph, which are some of the best paragraphs in all of this book, are his last paragraphs yeah. of each chapter. Yeah. yeah. He says this, The great master builder will soon come himself. A building shall be shown to assembled worlds in which there shall be no imperfection. The Savior and the saved shall rejoice together. The whole universe shall acknowledge that in the building of Christ's church, all was well done. Yeah. Blessed, it shall be said in that day, if it was never said before. Blessed are all they who belong to the church on the rock. Boy. Another brief application, he gives a call. Um, he gives an invitation to, uh, if someone's reading this who are uh, not converted, who are not saved, who are not believed upon Christ, he says, come into the lifeboat of the one true church. This old world will soon break into pieces. Hear you not the tremblings of it? The world is but a wreck hard upon a sandbank. The night is far spent. The waves are beginning to rise. The wind is getting up. The storm will soon shatter the old wreck, but the lifeboat is launched. And we, the ministers of the gospel, beseech you to come into the lifeboat and be saved. We beseech you to arise at once and come to Christ. Do you ask, how can I come? My sins are too many. I am too wicked yet. I dare not come. Away with the thought. It is a temptation of Satan. Come to Christ as a sinner. Come just as you are. This is the way to come to Christ. You should come, waiting for nothing and tearing for nothing. You should come as a hungry sinner to be filled, as a poor sinner to be enriched, as a bad, undeserving sinner to be clothed with righteousness. So coming, Christ would receive you. Him that comes to Christ, he will no wise cast out. O come to Jesus Christ, come to the true church by faith and be saved. Man. That's the way to, that's, that's it. Come to Christ, come to the church, come to the lifeboat. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's just no way, better way to end that, in that chapter. Yeah, there, there isn't. Um, To, to our listeners, if you're listening, you don't know Christ, hear Ryle, hear us. Um, uh, uh, come to Christ and be saved. Yes.
And if you have confessed Christ as Lord and you're outside of the church, outside of any sort of local church, let's just leave it at this point. Join a church. Yeah. Um, it's not optional. It, it truly is not optional. It is not an amenity of Christianity. It's a necessity of Christianity. Because Christ is, yeah. uh, Ephesians chapter 5, he has saved and washed and sanctified his church, his bride. Podcasts don't count as church. No. Surely this podcast doesn't count as church. Uh, reach out to us uh, if you're living alone. Lone Ranger Christian Life, just listen to podcast. Reach out to us. We will help you find one. Yes, we would love to. Be a great way for I was them. talking to somebody last night. They're looking for a church in Iowa. Uh, there needs to be more churches in Iowa. There's <laughs> slim pickings up there. Yeah, the more you listen, the more you realize there's slim pickings everywhere. How depressing. Yeah. Not, not, in, not in Arkansas. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of choices in Arkansas, especially yeah. central Arkansas. Yeah. A lot of great churches. Yeah, but, man. Iowa. No offense against Iowa, but they have, I just don't think there's very many people up there. <laughs> that, and they have mediocre sports as well. Um, <laughs> how depressing. Man, man, just rubbing it in. Mediocre. Um, but then Ryle's going to do what Ryle does. He's going to encourage you. He's going to give the doctrine. He's going to give this holy heavenly sight of the things of God, and then he's going to warn you. He's going to get you pumped up, and then he's going to bring you to reality. Not that the former part is not reality. That is is the grand cosmic reality of Christ building his church. Um, But in your daily life, this is more so for you who are in church. Yeah, I'm in church. Yeah, I know this. Yes, I know there's no salvation outside of the church. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is a chapter for everybody who was amening us in the, yeah. in the previous chapter. Amen, yeah! And then Paul Washer says, I don't know why you're clapping. Yeah, I'm, talking I'm talking to you. I'm talking about you. <laughs> yeah, this and is Ryle's uh, less intense way of doing that. Yeah. Um, chapter 14. Yes. You read Revelation 1-3 through and you see that there are several... Warnings to the church, which the whole book, um, read G.K. Bill's commentary on Revelation. There's there's nobody messing with G.K. Bill. Uh, one point G.K. Bill makes about the book of Revelation, and I'm not going to just spend a lot of time on this point either. Just a quick little point from his commentary. He says that the way that our Lord ministered and the way he preached, he always started with a clear message, so the Sermon on the Mount, and then he gave parables. Mm-hmm. There's this clear sermon. Yeah, here You cannot miss this. There's no way you can miss this. And then there's parables where only the elect can understand it. Same thing with the book of Revelation. Revelation, you have uh, clear warnings in yeah. chapters 1 through 3, technically 2 through 3. Yeah. The rest of the book are all of those same warnings, just in parabolic form. So it's the same method. It's the same formula. Clear message followed by a parabolic message. And when you realize that about the book of Revelation, I believe that really kind of unlocks the book because you take all the phrases and the warnings of Revelation and you will find them in the parables, which is to say, look, this is the exact same thing that I'm teaching you just in symbolic, parabolic form. Um, So it's not uh, not to go down that road, but just to say that the whole book is a warning. It's an encouragement. It's a sermon. It's a prophecy. There's several things to it, but it's a warning to believers, and the warning is um, what Raul is going to point out in these chapters. What are you going to say? Well, I think warning and hope, um, yes. but we're emphasizing the warning here because that's what, that's what Ryle's doing. It's uh, kind of, well, yeah. you find that everywhere, though. The book of Hebrews. Yeah, that's true. Warning that's true. and hope. That's I mean, true. the most, the scariest yeah. chapter in all the Bible, Hebrews chapter 6. But we don't feel this way about you, brothers, because we know there belongs for yeah. you a beloved yeah. salvation. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, go on. That's I'm, good. I interrupted you. No, no, no. That's good. The, um, uh, I was getting nervous there when you said uh, the elect uh, uh, understand the understand the parables and started talking about the book of Revelation. I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> uh, I don't. 
I don't know if I know the. I don't know if I understand the Book of Revelation. What does it say? What does this mean? <laughs> am I am I even elect? Am I, am I in? <laughs> wait, wait a minute. I thought I was in. Knocks on the door. I don't understand this. Uh oh. I feel about. The, I feel that same way about some parables, dude. Like our Lord just told us that mysteries of the kingdom of heaven been given to us, but man, I don't want to understand this parable. Yeah. What does that say about my soul? Yeah. But anyways, take it away, D two. What a, what is your what is your uh, or some heavy hitters from this chapter? How should we be directed? Um. Uh. uh well, I'll be honest. I uh I listened to this chapter, so I don't have any. Every time yeah. you start with the phrase, I'll be, I'll honest. be honest. It was I listened <laughs> to the chapter, so I don't have organized highlights like like I oftentimes like I oftentimes do. Um. Uh, and uh, uh, generally, what stuck out to me in this chapter was warnings of, uh, uh, warnings that, uh, warnings of true true Christianity, warnings of true Christianity. Uh, that hey, you could be exactly what you said. This is now warnings to everybody who was amening the last chapter. You could be, uh, in church and know the catechism. Um, uh, and be uh, ultra committed and not be saved. And that sounds kind of jarring. Um, I'm not saying that that's the norm or that you should be skeptical of committed members in the church. Um, but he's just stating that out as a real reality, a real possibility that, that um, uh, what we're not, one of the big warnings is, uh, is a uh, formalism here? Uh, formalism here. He talks about in the opening uh, chapters everyone who's uh, everyone who's big on liturgy or picking apart what should be the uh, you know what should be the most proper liturgy and uh, uh, um, yeah, what's the best form and uh, all this sort of stuff. And he's like, you could do all that and miss, uh, miss genuine faith or miss, miss the, the, um, uh, the true purposes of, uh, of the church. Basically everything you talked about in, in, in chapter four, uh, that's the warning that stood out to me. Um, a lot of that do, do, has to deal with the day that he's, uh, um, the day that he is in, uh, which is similar to our day that we've talked about before, a very, a very broad cultural Christianity. Uh, ours is eroding today, and so the 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 dynamics are changing by the day, by the month, by the year. Uh, but, uh, um, but that's why uh, Ryle's so burdened by it uh, here in this chapter. Um. Uh, it, yeah, that's why he's so burdened by it in this chapter. So he he's saying things like uh, 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 debates about uh, sacraments, church government, the use of liturgy, the observance of ceremonies and forms. Uh, all these are are nothing compared to faith, repentance, and holiness. Um, and he says, "In my authority for sayings uh, for so saying is the whole tenor of our Lord's words." To the seven churches, uh, so that's the, that's kind of his purpose in the outset. Is like, okay, we can get, and I'm guilty of this at times. But he was like, we can get so uh, obsessive about, uh, you know, church government. Church government is something I've been thinking about a lot recently, and trying to parse out the particulars and say, uh, you know, this is the specific biblical system of church government. Um, which that kind of work needs to be done. Uh, but uh, in the big picture, churches don't rise and fall. Uh, churches are not false or true churches based upon their form of church government. Um, but uh, faith, repentance, um, uh, what else did I say? Uh, faith, repentance, 
those things which Ryle was considering higher, considering more important, those are the things that churches rise and fall or uh, live and die, actually live and die on. Yeah, yeah, they are. You know, as he said, uh, content of what our, what our Lord says was was doctrine, was things to be believed were... Um, you other the things that he said. Let me let me scroll yeah, up. Faith, faith, repentance, and, and holiness is what it is. Well, yeah, and then the heading of the chapter, or the heading of that section, um, I asked my observers to read in the first place that the Lord Jesus in all the seven epistles speaks nothing of nothing but matters of doctrine, practice, learning, and promise, right. which then right. flow into that the faith and holiness and yeah. repentance. Uh and and then he he pointed out two different types of churches uh in England. There's two separate systems of Christianity in England at the present day, he says. According to one system, religion is a mere corporate business. Yeah. You are to belong to a certain yeah. body of people by virtue of your membership of this body. Vast privileges, both of yeah, for time good. and eternity, this are conferred good. upon you. It matters little what you are and what you feel. You are not to try yourself by your feelings. You are a member of a great ecclesiastical corporation. Then all its privileges and immunities are your own. Do you belong to the one true, visible, ecclesiastical corporation? That is the grand question. And then according to another system... Religion is eminently a personal business between yourself and Christ. It will not save your soul to be an outward member of ecclesiastical body, whatever. However sound that body may be, such membership will not wash away one sin or give you confidence in the day of judgment. There must be a personal faith in Christ, personal dealings between yourself and God, personal felt communion between your own heart and the Holy Ghost. Have you this Faith, personal faith. Have you this felt work of the Spirit in your soul? This is the grand question. If not, you will be lost. Um, the last system, this last system is the system which those who are called evangelical ministers cleave to and teach. They do so because they are satisfied that it is the system of Holy Scripture. They do so because they are convinced that any other system is productive of most dangerous consequences and calculated to delude men fatally as to their actual state. They do so because they believe it to be the only system of teaching which God will bless, and that no church will flourish so much as that in which repentance, faith, conversion, and the work of the Spirit are the grand subjects. There you go. Mm-hmm. You're starting to get into what you said yeah. earlier. Um, so just to repeat a lot of those things and to bring those to our day. Yeah. In a sense, there are many systems. There, there are those. We still see those two systems. Well, I'm good, and I, I go to XYZ Church. I'm a member yeah. of a corporate body, yep. which is important, again, that you be a member of a corporate body. But have you... Those are normally people who don't go to church, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I go to da-da-da church. Today, it's, oh, I'm a, member at, I'm a member at First Baptist down there. Yeah. It's like, well, I haven't been there since Christmas, but... Yeah, well, I'm a member there on the rolls. I kid you not. I'm not exaggerating. There was somebody who told me one time, yeah, I'm a member of so-and-so church. And it's been 15 years since they've been. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and common. they were bold about it. Yeah, that's common. Yeah. Um, is there faith? Is there repentance? Is there holiness in your walk as a believer, member of a corporate church? Mm-hmm. Um, is there? So, going on, he says, then he starts to point out some of the things that the reader should know about the content of our Lord's warnings. Mm -hmm. Number one, he knows your works. The works of a professing Christian are of great importance. They cannot save your soul. They cannot justify you. They cannot wipe out your sins. They cannot deliver you from the wrath of God. But it does not follow because they cannot save you that they are of no importance. Take heed and beware of such a notion. The man who thinks so is fearfully deceived. 
I often think I could willingly die for the doctrine of justification by faith mm-hmm. without the deeds of the law. But I must earnestly contend as a great principle that a man's works are the evidence of a man's religion. Yeah, yeah. that's quotable. Yeah, that's good. He uh, on that note, um, at the beginning of the book, he he talked about uh, he talks about uh, works too, and we're getting hints of that, or we're getting a doubling a doubling down of that. Um, uh, he brings it up here, though. He goes on to say, uh, "The Lord Jesus knows the works of all impenitent and unbelieving souls." Uh, and will one day punish him. They are not forgotten in heaven, though they may be upon earth. When the great white throne is set and the books are open, the wicked, uh, uh, the wicked, uh, the wicked dead will be judged according to their works. The Lord Jesus knows the works of His own people and weighs them. By Him, uh, by Him, actions are weighed. First Samuel two three. He knows the way. Uh, he knows the why and the where, wherefore of the deeds of all uh, believers. The Lord Jesus knows the works of all his own people and will one day reward them. So uh, he brings this up and the warnings to the seven churches is because uh, Christ is looking, uh, you know, he's head of the church. He's looking at what Christians and churches are doing. And that's to make a point that uh, you probably made earlier. But these warnings to the seven churches in Revelation are representative of warnings to all churches and all ages everywhere. So they're not specifically to these seven churches, though they are. They they are written specifically to the seven churches. They're meant to communicate or reveal general warnings uh, for the church in perpetuity. Um, that that every church would heed these warnings. And one of those recognitions is that Christ is looking at our works, that the, the works of the churches and, and our works as Christians actually uh, actually matter. Um, and uh, um, the, uh, the works of unbelieving souls matter on the day of judgment. That's what the 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 key theme of the book of Revelation is is the day of the, the Lord, the day of Christ's coming, the day of judgment. Um uh and Jesus knows the works of his own people. He knows the works of his church, and they'll be uh uh weighed, considered, and rewarded. Yeah. So we in a sense do believe in a prosperity gospel. Here's a hot take. Yeah. Here's a hot take. Uh, we're just, uh, it's, a, it's all about timing of when to expect our, when to expect the prosperity. Yeah. And, and we're, we're even, we're, we're laboring for prosperity in the new heavens and the new earth. Right. We we're prospering now, but we're prospering in everything that makes life meaningful. Like yeah. the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Holiness. That, that is, if you have holiness, you're a very prosperous person. Uh, whereas the prosperity gospel as we know it yeah. would say, unless you have a Benz, you're not being prosperous. Yeah. God wants you to have an abundant supply of life. What they mean by that is a big house. Is, um, is that a direct quote? I heard that in, in the background of a song. I don't know who said that. The guy who said that it had, was probably it had to be a, a hip hop. It had to be a rap song. Yeah. It had to be a Christian rap song. Yeah. An abundant supply. Yeah. But, uh, um, I dig it. <laughs> not only are our works considered, but the this it is important for the Christian to overcome. That's, that's, uh, this is where the book of Revelation gives, gives all the hope. To the overcomer. Yeah. If you're not an overcomer, if you don't overcome, if you don't conquer, you're not a Christian. Um, you cannot debate that there are people who've gone so far in the whole once saved, always saved, which that's a good idea, but it's not clear on how that's put once saved, always saved stuff so far into that, that they would say, well, you don't have to prosper to the end. You don't have to, um, uh, strive 
to the end. You can be conquered by sin and still, and still be. But yeah. you said the stuff and you're good. You can't, uh, I mean, give me the book of Revelation. I'll debate you on that. There, There is no, you can't find it anywhere. The true Christian is the persevering Christian, is the overcoming Christian. And, of course, we give the qualification. We don't overcome by our own power, but by the power of the Spirit working within us. Um, nonetheless, it's still a requirement that a Christian be an overcomer, that he overcomes. Ralph says, every professing Christian is the soldier of Christ. He is bound by his baptism to fight Christ's battle against sin, the world, and the devil. The man that does not do this breaks his vow. He is a spiritual defaulter. He does not fulfill the engagements made for him. The man that does not do this is practically renouncing his Christianity. The very fact that he belongs to a church and tends a Christian place of worship and calls himself a Christian is a public declaration that he desires to be reckoned a soldier of Christ. Mm -hmm. So taking those two systems we read about earlier, the corporate system and the personal system, he who declares that he is a part of the corporate body of Christ uh, is declaring that he is a personal soldier of Christ. Mm -hmm. Not The institution itself is not one big soldier. Individually, right. we are soldiers in the army of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of this picking up on uh, the chapter on uh, on the fight. Uh, that fighting is an essential part of uh, Christianity. That we we wage, we wage war. We fight against uh, uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, he's picking up on that, and and. Um, uh, well, I'll, I'll just read a quote. The, the one point I want to press upon your soul just now is this, that the true believer is not only a soldier, but a victorious soldier. He not only professes to fight on Christ's side against sin, the world, and the devil, but he does actually fight and overcome. Uh, this is a, a key thing, a hard truth. Uh, um, a hard truth, but a blessed truth. And, you know, we've already stated it. Um, but if you're still a slave to sin, if you have no victory, if you have no, um, uh, you know, if you have no, um, yeah, no victory over sin, you're being conquered by sin. You're not, you're not conquering, you're not conquering it. Um, uh, that is good reason to question your salvation if you're if you're professing Christ, or that's that is a, a a good a good. I'm not saying the exclusive barometer, but a good barometer, one barometer that should be be thought about, be reflected upon, and thinking about your own spiritual state, your own spiritual condition, um, a state before the Lord, uh, because Christians do. And should overcome sin. We, we we should have lives that are not marked by um, being conquered by sin. Um, uh, you just mentioned this, and we've talked about it before. You don't want to qualify your point away, uh, but Christians can backslide, and Christians can um, uh, 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 Christians can fail and fall and. Uh, all sorts of things. Christians can sin. Um, but uh, in the big picture, does sin dominate your life? Are you, are you being conquered by sin? Or are, you, or are you progressively conquering sin? Uh, that's a huge distinction. That's a huge distinction. And that's not saying the Christians don't sin, but that's a big difference. And, um, and Ryle's spot on. Ryle's spot on. that. Yeah. We should be victorious soldiers. Yeah. You must either rule or serve sin and the devil and the world. I'll read it another way to put the proper emphasis. You must either rule or serve sin. Yeah. And the devil and yeah. the world. As Ra yeah. says. This is this is Ra here, by the way, for the listener. There is no middle course. Straight Ryle. You must either conquer or be lost. Mm -hmm. We're running out of time for our next chapters. You want to keep going on this or um, zoom to our next two chapters? Uh, 
well, skimming through this since just since I just uh, listened to it, didn't read it. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I will just conclude with this. Uh, in the he says, in the last place, let me warn everyone who professes to be a believer in the Lord Jesus in the Lord Jesus, not to be content with a little religion. Um. Uh, he says, don't be satisfied with a little grace, a little repentance, a little faith, a little knowledge, a little charity, a little bitter, uh, or a little holiness. I do not beseech and entreat every believing soul that reads this tract not to be that kind of man. If you have any desires after usefulness, if you have any wishes to promote your Lord's glory, if you have any longings after much inward peace, be not content with a little religion don't be content with a little victory um but uh be more than conquerors as the book of revelation says uh it calls us more than conquerors in jesus christ who is coming conquering and to conquer Mm. Uh, that could be said about the warnings of the warnings to these churches at the beginning of revelation it's saying don't be satisfy with a mediocre faith uh with with just the smallest evidences of faith oh all i need is this much so that i'm good you want to be a tree that bears forth much fruit um that has much love for christ yeah that's that's what we're uh, to tip a hat to the next chapter one more thing. This is 20 seconds. That reminds me of Psalm 1. Blessed is the righteous man, for he prospers in all that he does. Um, he's like a tree that bears much fruit, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff in the wind. Uh, <clears throat> so living a prosperous life means having a big religion and going above and be, going Far past just the just enough idea. Uh, CD and D2 coming at you recording direct from the classic cast where we just roll with it.